0: Hello and welcome to Coin Talk back from the Crypto Cave, the original team and the original space. It's all brought to you by Medium. Medium has uh, so much great writing about crypto, whether it's uh, uh, messages from the companies themselves, analysis, uh, price, culture, whatever. You're going to want to become a member. It's five bucks a month and well worth it. And supports things like this show. Let's do the show.
1: This episode of Coin Talk was taped Tuesday, March 12th at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Bitcoin price index was $3,846.
0: Jay, hello. Aaron, I, uh, uh, how are you doing? We've been trying to start this episode for like 25 minutes, and Jay keeps wanting to talk about something he's reading on his phone
1: yeah yeah <laughs> listen we're gonna talk about it because we are in the it is bitcoin adjacent and yeah. that it's a scam
0: <laughs> yeah should we just change oh. the theme of the show to scams we it's could really all we we're could, interested we could just in.
1: start a netflix series called the greatest money laundering scams
0: oh that reminds me actually I've, i get a good newsletter um uh, uh ruthie baron uh has a newsletter called this week in scams I recommend it.
1: Oh, that's it's see, just she's a, already it's, on her corner then.
0: Uh, yeah, but she's like, it's more like, uh, she's not doing scam analysis as much. She's just telling people about various scam news.
1: Well, I'm not going to actually subscribe to that because there's nothing funnier to me than scams.
0: All right, this is from Aaron
1: Leibovitz, who is a court reporter in Boston who I actually know personally, who's a very nice young man. He just said that the U.S. attorney in Boston has unsealed indictments against at least 47 people in a nationwide admissions, cheating, and recruitment scheme, including current and former D1 coaches at Yale, Georgetown, USC, Wake Forest, and Texas. The story is basically that uh, there was this fixer, right? I think his name is, uh, we should all say alleged in front Allegedly. of all of this. Um, his name is William Singer, and he was uh, taking fifteen between fifteen and $50,000 to from a lot of wealthy and also somewhat famous people to, for their kids, uh, to have people take the SAT for their kids. Or or in one of the cases, to have the proctor of the SAT come in and take their kid's SAT and fix the <laughs> answers to the right ones at retroactively.
0: This was a thing when I was in high school in Berkeley, probably because Berkeley was uh, UC Berkeley adjacent, which yeah. meant there was... Um, a lot of uh, ringers available. Now, these prices are outrageous. Yeah, yeah. I heard of grad students at Berkeley taking SATs for uh, like $750 or $1,000. Although, I believe in that case, that was kids paying grad students to take their SAT and not tell their parents, not their parents bribing other people to take the SAT for them.
1: Well, I mean, okay, so like, $750 seven hundred and fifty dollars to a thousand dollars seems like a reasonable price right
0: I mean compared like, to taking an SAT prep course it's um it's basically a smart financial decision it's four
1: hours I think the SAT is four hours long or three hours yeah. long so you're getting paid two fifty dollars an hour to sit and take a very easy test and yeah. like what is the downside the downside is that like you're basically committing like a misdemeanor I would say but probably one that's not prosecutable
0: I think it's very different when it's a celebrity parent trying to defraud a university rather than a kid trying to defraud a university. I'm very sympathetic to the kid. If you're going to get into to a league with Felicity Huffman to manipulate the admissions process, you need to be charging good money because that look fifteen or seventy five thousand dollars to get your child into the university or choice is a bargain. Like considering you're going to be paying. If you're far, rich anyway. Yeah. Yeah. If you're rich anyway, well, I'm just saying you put kids into private schools you pay for SAT prep all the stuff's expensive and it doesn't guarantee results yeah well it's okay. not like the right. fixer is going to be like hey you paid me 75 but uh you know my, the proctor had a bad day here you got a uh, a 920 score
1: <laughs> you like, know you know how like Nate Silver or I think it was Nate Silver came up with that idea that like parking tickets should be uh, pegged to your salary So like people who have a sliding
0: scale, rich people should
1: have to pay like $4,000 for a parking ticket. Yeah, I think that that's probably fair for this too, right? Like I I kind of agree with you that if it's like a student at Berkeley High who's facing a ton of pressure from his, his parents and he's like, oh my God, I've saved up like $750 from delivering pizzas and these practice SATs are going terrible. I'll just pay like my friend over there to take it for me.
0: This being Berkeley High, it would be selling weed, not delivering pizzas. But okay, yes. No, I'm not talking about myself. <laughs> I was already a highly skilled SAT taker. I would say <laughs> SAT taking is one of my like top five skills. <laughs> did you did you do any grift? Did you take any? No, no, no. No one no, it's true. No one no one offered to pay me to take their SATs. I'm gonna tell you something that is uh, racially problematic, which is that the people that I know who faked their SATs. They actually checked IDs when I took SATs. Oh, really? And it would be they
1: probably do now Asian too.
0: students paying Asian grad students at UC Berkeley and giving them their ID.
1: Oh, see, that's genius. That's yeah. genius.
0: But that's like, not racially
1: problematic. That's that's like an oppressed group taking yeah. advantage of yeah. the system. Yeah. What is
0: the opposite of uh, <laughs> problematic? Adventomatic? <laughs> yeah. It's all that's if, like a
1: that's like a story of of solidarity b- between people. Of I mean, it,
0: yeah. The the if you're an 18 year old at Berkeley High of Asian descent, the amount of people who no one would balk at your ID being used, who are currently enrolled at UC Berkeley, and probably have the capacity to score 1600. Very high. <laughs> <laughs> um, Alright, so, like, uh, poor Felicity Huffman and William
1: H. Basie's kids, I guess, don't have that, right?
0: Um, this I, just feels to me like the fancy New York version of what, what was going on when I was in high school. Of course
1: it's more expensive. $75,000. I mean, look, they deserve to have paid that much for that. And, uh... The best nugget out of this story, which I thought was hysterical, was that Lori Lachlan of Full House fame, she was Aunt Becky, one of my first crushes as a child. Um, Her kid, she and her husband paid $500,000, allegedly, to uh, two USC crew coaches to have the crew coach give them the spots that the crew coach gets every year for their two daughters, even though their daughters don't row. First of all, five hundred fucking thousand dollars Like, how is that not a huge red flag anywhere? Like, how much money do you think the USC crew coach has where, like, a $500,000 deposit into his bank account isn't immediately a
0: red flag for everybody? I mean, I think this is giving some insight into why most of the world's problems are from corruption. Like... This is like America, so we can like sit around like laughing about this, but like this is basically how all business takes place in most of the world. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, if not, and and I don't think America is above it, but just this like crass, crude, like paying a crew coach kind of commerce, this is like no one like blinks in in most of the world at at this kind of thing.
1: No, it is exactly how the entire country of korea operates basically on the chaebol system which is like and for a while it had infiltrated athletics and so like korea was putting out these soccer teams that essentially were the equivalent of it, if it was like the u.s national team was like jeff bezos's
0: kid <laughs> <laughs> that was like when um, manny picao was playing on his own philippines Basketball team, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But at least Manny came from nothing, you know. It is yeah, and he hero. is a pro. Athlete. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is, yeah, yeah
1: exactly. Like he, he, he is good he at something. He has some pedigree. For yeah, that. but like, um, but like, if you, and it was at least Manny. It wasn't Manny's kid. You yeah, know?
0: I mean, so. but Manny would be like. Me and my kid are both, like, like the starting backcourt for yeah, this team. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're,
1: we're the Splash Brothers.
0: <laughs> but, um, like, Manny's,
1: Manny, for some reason, Manny's corruption outside of his politics, which are deplorable, you know, like, there's something, like, kind of, like, charming about it, because yeah. it's so out in the open. But in Korea, like, the entire business system runs off this type of stuff, and that's why, really, like, you know, like, if you read into the, like, a lot of the reasons why Korea had that huge, all those huge protests... And impeach their president because their president essentially was like controlled by a shaman. It's like, you know, in this completely insane story. But the reality behind it is just like, how do you get a million people to show up about like a presidential scandal that she's being influenced by a shaman? Like, it's not that big of a deal. The reason why a million people show up is because those million people have been perpetually pissed off uh, by this system, you know, of, of corruption that was implemented essentially when the president's father was dictator of Korea for 30 years. And so, like, yes, the rest of the world does work on this type of corruption. In the United States, I think we also assume that, like, places like uh, Harvard and Stanford also run on these types of uh, corruption. Like, you know, like Jared Kushner, for example, getting into Harvard because his dad, like, builds a building on campus. But it's still funny. It's like the most uh, perpetually funny thing for me when it comes up.
0: Well, okay, well, I want to talk about this shaman briefly just while we're passing by. So my understanding was that, that shaman who was controlling the president of Korea was also, in addition to their spiritual guidance, they were basically shaking down large Korean corporations for donations to her quasi charitable ventures there
1: is a real uh, linkage here which is like her daughter the shaman's daughter right yeah wanted to get into the top women's college you know like it's like if you made wellesley a big school it would be like that it's very prestigious to go there and i think she was like an equestrian rider and she was not that good at equestrian (laughs) and so basically she paid uh, got her friend uh, and, you know, like uh, spiritual guidee, the president of the country to get her daughter into that school. And that's what people were really pissed off about. And so there's this really interesting critique of people being like, oh, well, this was a class thing. My friend who is a blogger under Ask a Korean, like he was talking about how actually the thing that people were the maddest about was that she got into that college, you know. And so it's kind of like. The upper middle class being rich at the super class and it's not like the lower classes at all so well yeah
0: we're we're making fun of these people who literally bribed crew coaches to their getting the kids in we don't make fun of the um you know uh family offices that are endowing buildings to get their kids exactly, in exactly. which compared to that the $75,000 is a bargain $500,000 is a huge bargain huge bargain people are paying you know, basically endowment money to get their kids in here. And I think where your head logically goes when you hear about this is, well, if things like higher education and athletics become corrupted in this way, we won't really know like that we have the best people, right? Like instead of the best people, like the richest, shadiest people will take uh, power and uh, earlier on, we said, like, oh, America is not like this. But America completely is like this. Of course America like That this. isn't yeah. a dystopian future. That is the dystopian present. Th- the the best people are not in charge.
1: The fu- thing that's funniest about these stories is not that uh, it's shocking. It's literally just that it's completely unshocking and it's Aunt Becky. And the most shocking thing to me is how Lori Lachlan has $500,000 to, to spend on her daughters getting into USC of all places. To, like, pretend
0: to be on the fucking rowing team. I love that both rowing and equestrian are not real sports. They're just things that rich people do. Yeah. And rich people then were like, oh, I do dressage anyway. (laughs) I want to be an Olympian. Like, we should make this a real sport. And then a bunch of peasants got good at it. And now rich people have to bribe people to <laughs> pretend that they're the best at equestrian <laughs> without like actually putting in the like Wait, is horse that, jumping is that work. true.
1: Was like was equestrian like uh dominated by peasants at some point?
0: No, no, I'm saying now it's like probably like to become a top rider, you oh, actually yeah. have to like train full time. I think at a certain point, like whoever was like winning dressage 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 competitions yeah. was just like a rich guy with a dope horse. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure.
1: Yeah, who had paid off the entire like uh, judging panel. I mean, like that—that's how it is in, like. So Dan Golden, I and mean, we can get off this in a second, but no, like, you know, like whole Dan, episode. Dan on this Golden, topic. Dan Golden, <laughs> Dan Golden uh, who is a reporter at ProPublica, I believe, and who is a—he—he's the clearest thinker, I think, on this entire college admissions question. His solution for affirmative action was to basically just reduce some of the legacy spots at elite colleges of which there's a shitload of legacy spots but also to like stop allowing sports like lacrosse and field hockey and crew <laughs> specifically to have spots you know just like why do you need help for kids who are on the crew team you know like it's all white people process very similar you don't need to have an athletic bonus for these sports because like the school doesn't make any money from those Sports, you know, like it is cool to see, I guess, kids rowing on the Charles River in Boston, you know, but like who fucking cares? They don't need like, like, a they don't need help to get into Harvard. And you're basically taking the most privileged people on, like, at Bowdoin, we had a fucking sailing team. <laughs> you know? Like, what the fuck is that? Why do you need a sailing team? You know, you could have a sailing club, but like, kids, I, I don't know if they help kids get in, but like, it, you should not get an admissions bonus because you're like very good at like, you know, like, jib control. On like a on like a catamaran or something like these are all terms that I think are sailing related. I I I just find that that people's like outrage over like eight slots you know that are given to like poor poor people or to like minorities are are somehow really important, but like the eighty slots on the fucking Harvard crew team don't matter at all.
0: Yeah, it it speaks to our inability to look past race, and that we're like. All we want to talk about is, like, affirmative action slots. We don't want to talk about, like, build a library slot <laughs> slash, like, rowing team, slots. Yeah, rowing team slots. And it's all just one pool. You know what I mean? Like, it's all one-to-one. Like, one slot is just worth one slot. I mean, that's the crazy thing is, even if you do bribe your way in, or, like, even if you bribe your way in very lately, you just went to private school and your parents sent you to Princeton Review. Yeah. The softest touch. Yeah. Really, all you did was pay kind of on the low scale. Some other sucker gave an entire building. Maybe you're really the asshole if you give like $10 million to get your kid in when you could have just gotten them some private sailing instruction and like gotten them in through the sailing team.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how hard it is to be like one of the best sailors to, to qualify for the boat and sailing team but I think that you or I could pick it up in, like, two years.
0: I doubt I could pick <laughs> it up in two years. <laughs> you
1: don't think that you could be, like, confident enough? How many people do you know know how to sail a boat?
0: Um, my entire wife's family, and they like to... Uh, point out that I have no idea how to sell okay, a boat. All right. So how long have they been sailing? Uh, like, probably since around the Civil War. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, they're like sailing the Merrimack and the yeah, monitor. Yeah, uh, probably before the Civil War. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jay, so. Jay there's, a, there's an old saying in my family, Jews don't sail. Yeah, that's true. Asians don't really sail either. No, no, we're not, we're not sailing people. We yeah. need to know, we uh, need to know our role here. Have Has the Asian community, in its response to uh, affirmative action discrimination, uh, gone hard on any sports? Yeah,
1: I think that basically kids now who are, you know, the sort of stereotype of the person who's just a resume to get into college, they all have, like, a sport.
0: Okay. But they haven't, like like, gravitated towards a specific sport the way that like say classical music became dominated at a certain point in time
1: i I mean so squash right now is dominated by asians but they're all from like malaysia right right so it's not like asian americans
0: i feel like golf is a good potential
1: yeah asians are super into asian americans are super into golf uh and they're very good at it but the people who tend to do that i don't think they're doing it to get into college I think they're doing it to try and become professional golfers, which I think is a different track, you know, because if you want to be a professional golfer, you don't necessarily go to Stanford, even though Stanford has a very good golf team. They go to like uh, Oklahoma State or something like that. Right, right, you know? right So right, it's right. not like an education-based thing. I find this endlessly hilarious just because like, man, the amount of scamminess that must be going on in these in these higher education places and the amount of, like you said, the amount of Attention that's spent to like eight people who actually need the education, <laughs> you know. Like Lori Lachlan's kid is that. I'm sorry to to defame her, but like she's not gonna fucking learn anything at USC that matters, you know. Like her life is not changed by going to USC instead of like going to like Cal State Fullerton or something like that. She's gonna be the same person. She's gonna if her mom can afford to pay five hundred thousand dollars to a crew coach, she's gonna be
0: fine, you know. I have a follow up question yeah. here. So, do you think it ever happens? that the parent bribes, say, the proctor to manipulate the SAT, but doesn't tell the kid? Oh. I think that's cruel. Like, kind of like in Cable Guy, when when they send him on the date with the prostitute, but don't tell him? Yeah. Like, do you think anyone is trying to just big up their kid? Mm. Because that would be a crazy thing to find out later in life, that you're like, I got into Harvard, and your parents are like, I paid the proctor to fix all of your answers, you got a terrible SAT score and you're a moron. Yeah, the the
1: the the amount of, like, I cannot put myself in the mindset of somebody who would pay $500,000 to get my daughters a crew position when they don't row, right? So it's yep. difficult for me to understand that mindset. Uh, even if I had the money, I would just be like, like, it doesn't matter where you go to college, especially USC. I think know? this
0: always works better when someone counterpoints you. So I agree with that. But if you are a Chinese aristocrat who has been siphoning money off of the federal railroad fund for the last decade, you've got $40 million in like a hidden Bitcoin account somewhere.
1: Yeah.
0: And you've got one child. How much is it worth to you to get that child into Harvard? Oh, I Child in no way qualifies for Harvard. Your kid is smoking cigarettes and like doing karaoke all day. They have like no interest in academics at all. They're just a Chinese rich kid who's like crashed a Maserati. Yeah,
1: and you know that they, if they get into Harvard, great inflation will at least carry them to to the end of four years.
0: It's just you. you can say, my kid goes to Harvard. It's how much is that worth to you?
1: Uh if I have, let's say, okay. So if I if I'm that person, then yeah. I probably have several billion dollars.
0: Let's I'd say quit. you. Let's say you're like a minor. R- A rail corruption guy and you got (laughs) 40 or 50 mil 40 million dollars yeah um it's probably worth like two million dollars yeah i was gonna say i think anyone in their right mind would give 10 percent of that their net worth for that and you know you've kind of set your kid up uh or at
1: least given him a shot to be set up yeah but i would argue that you're and that if you send him to like let's say you know, like, the local Chinese university, then, you know, you know what's gonna happen. And at least if he goes to America and is around, heart, like, the uh, ruling elite of America, maybe he'll straighten out. Is well, that I, the idea? Well,
0: I, I, I fucked straighten out the kid. Let's just assume the kid is a loss. Like, overall, to you. <laughs> <laughs> how much, how valuable, like, when we think about scarcity and, like, an open market here, right? There's yeah. only one Harvard, right? Yeah. I'm not big-upping Harvard here, by the way. I'm just saying... If you ask a, any anyone in Asia the name of a university, everyone knows the name of Harvard. How many Chinese students get into Harvard per class? Um, 20 or something? 30? No, way more
1: than way that. Than, 100? 100? Like well, no, no, because there's only like 2,000 kids per class. Only 2,000
0: per class in Harvard. I think 100 would be generous. I'm talking about Chinese nationals, yeah, not, like, not Chinese. Maybe like 50. 50, okay. So that means every decade, Harvard turns out 500 Chinese nationals in a country that has billions of people. Yeah, that scarcity would suggest a Harvard degree is worth far more than the three hundred thousand dollars for it costs. Yeah, it's probably worth like kid, twenty million on the, the fuck open up market.
1: Anyway, and your third tier rail. Corruption guy. So you just got to get your kid into the third tier rail rail cl- but corruption. all game. you've
0: ever been trying to do for this kid is give them an advantage in life. To give <laughs> to give a kid a Harvard degree, um, that is okay. Yeah, being well, I, released I, 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 at I a rate two million, two million. Yeah, but being released at a rate of a a thousand per 20 years. that's so like, that's, a, like, that's yeah. the, the, re, the two emissions million. rate two million, no, of, of one. Harvard coin.
1: I would go like, uh, I go like, uh, 2 million is like what? Like the uh, 5% of my net worth.
0: Yeah. I would do that. $2 million. I think that if you think you're going to get in to Harvard with that 2 million, some big brawl boss is going to ha- come <laughs> ahead and get in front of you. So and there's only 20 spots. So like, are,
1: you, are you trying to explain how Lori Lachlan's uh, Price got up to five hundred thousand dollars well,
0: I'm saying that I think that like college slots are a little bit like deflationary coins, and that like there's not an elastic supply. No, no, no. Of them. I agree with that, and yeah. like everything that w- we're supposed to believe about markets, which you and I generally don't believe on this show is that they like adjust themselves. Maybe we're seeing the like market for college spots um pumping a little here,
1: yeah. Yeah, well, that's definitely true because, and that in large part because of not just Asian immigrants, but immigrants from Africa and immigrants from Latin America as well, coming to the United States since 1965 uh, and flooding the admissions market uh, with a lot more qualified students than it can handle. And, uh, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, like immigrants from West Africa and from, asia or you know like parts of asia i guess like uh being so academically qualified that that you really do push out a large amount of the upper middle class population which means that the number of spots for the super class you know like of wealthy people are much scarcer under much higher scrutiny because college admissions is under much higher scrutiny and uh yeah it's more expensive now i bet well buy your way into school
0: aren't we seeing basically that like colleges are one of the few brands that really ships internationally? Oh my God. Yeah. Like, like I put a, a Harvard in the class of, uh, you know, uh, Barcelona, the New York oh, Yankees. Much more. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, 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 the sweatshirt means something everywhere. And I think we're kind of seeing the market internationalize and people starting to say, Hey, like, You see the same thing in in soccer teams, honestly. Like, soccer teams were worth a certain amount until, like, Saudi dudes got into it. And then it just went like 100x because it was like a money burning competition. It seems probably like the end state for American higher education is some sort of like a brand portfolio of that kind. Right?
1: NYU has campuses all over the world. 100%. Like, Abu Dhabi and. In Paris, in uh, Shanghai, and the tuitions to go to those schools are insane. And it's essentially just a brand dilution, where like they take uh, graduate students, or they take people who are, you know, are not working in the U.S. on a tenure track job, and they just shuttle them out to to Abu Dhabi and they teach a class there. And you know, like some oil baron's kid is spending a ton of money to go there,
0: and that feels like the like. like, Bitcoin cash strategy, which is basically to, like, keep forking, Endless forking. <laughs> endlessly forking NYU until it's, like, you know, 27 different NYUs. Yeah, 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 Harvard yeah. goes the BTC route, which is keeping the scarcity of the 2,000 slots per class at Harvard. You can't go to, like, Harvard-Beijing, yeah, right? You have to, like, come, and then, theoretically, the value of those Harvard slots should keep going up. I think you and I, as cynics, Who grew up in America are like, man, all these colleges are bullshit. I can't believe anyone would pay $75,000 to bribe their way into a crew team spot. $500,000. Especially for a lot of these like shitcoin colleges, you know, that we know to be full of fuck ups. But internationally, it's like the same way, like we're willing to like buy some like, what was the like Chinese Ethereum called? Ant or Neo. Neo. Right? Me and you are like, yeah, give us a Neo bag. Whereas like, Chinese people are like, oh, Neo's a shit coin. Yeah, like I think that people come here and they see these like brand name American universities, and they're like, that's that's it. That's what but, we're looking but for. Lori
1: Lachlan and those people are not like Chinese. They're not yet.
0: Chinese national. What I'm saying is they're driving up the market. Like yeah. the the all of these Chinese things-
1: national. Okay, so like w- locally, we have this example of uh, New York City private schools, right? Sure. And the skyrocketing price at New York private city private schools in a way is a reflection of the skyrocketing costs of high-end New York City real estate. Sure. Which is that it is, there's a certain amount of it that is funded by people who are uh, from Saudi Arabia, from China, from Russia.
0: France and my Uh, neighborhood. Yeah.
1: Well, no, no, no. I'm just talking about the super rich. The super rich who are buying like $150 million apartments in New York City. Shots fired at
0: the French by Jay there.
1: No, no, oh, the French are not part of this. Broke you know. ass French yeah, motherfuckers. Yeah. Broke. <laughs> <He's> broke motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> MC Solar is you, not buying French. Which are broke, broke ass depressed <laughs> Euros. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, these are people who are buying money laundering apartments in New York. Oh, yeah, money and laundering And They send apartments. their kids to elite private schools and they pay to get their kids into those schools and they pay the full tuition, yep. and the school is profiting off of that. Um, and so they have a certain amount of spots that are for international kids who barely yep. show up at the school. I know somebody who is a admissions officer at one of these places, and she was telling me that there was one year where somebody paid for the entire year in, of school, which is like $65,000, and their kid didn't show up, and... Uh, like there's nobody who ever asked for a refund. It was like literally just like, oh yeah, well the 65,000. Yeah, you know, we decided to go to a different school, but we're too lazy to go back and did,
0: get we, the did we did we talk <laughs> did we talk on the show about the like um preschool that was offering bitcoin tuition in in the uh, East Village? No, but that's a good There's topic. like a movement. I have heard this from from rich Manhattanites that like people are at, have been asking preschools to accept bitcoin for their tuition Why? payments. Well, if Okay, let's say I was going to do what you just described, which is like hold a fake slot in a preschool for my yeah. kid. And I was involved in like, let's say, sitting on multiple empty apartments. You could see me having some, some Bitcoin reserves that I'd prefer to like not repatriate that into dollars to yeah. pay my preschool tuition. That's true. That's true. I, I'm into that. I yeah. think if you're at preschool, it's a great deal. Like mm-hmm. whoever's paying in Bitcoin is definitely going to pay.
1: Yeah, although you know, if Bitcoin goes up, you're going to feel horrible. Um, I, I I will say that that this is all colored by. I do generally agree that like the people who are the most contemptuous about this are people who have been through that system, but not in the same elite way. Yeah, uh, and so I am not saying that the value of a Harvard education is worthless. Obviously, it matters. It matters a lot. Um, but I think that it's bad that it matters a lot is what I'm saying.
0: Can I ask you a Bitcoin question? Yes. I think, this has all been our longest intro. This is going to be a, like a 60-minute intro to like a three-minute show yeah, about, 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 Bitcoin. about Bitcoin. Yeah, um, I think if you were to poll people around the world about like the biggest problems facing them, that ultimately the majority of them boil down to corruption. Um... um Certainly, in the case of Korea, uh, yes. most of Africa, um, maybe not every country in the world, but in aggregate, I think like per capita, that may be one Mexico, of the Mexico bi- for sure, Mexico, China,
1: Argentina, like uh, India, Spain. massive corruption. Yeah. yeah,
0: so we have all these like higher ideals about like how people should be treated and saving this planet human rights. But really, if you boil down to like what stands in the way of those things, it's often corruption, even in my environmental issues. Like why are environmental laws not respected? Usually corruption. Someone's getting paid at its core. Do you think moving to a Bitcoin based system will increase or decrease the negative pull of corruption on this world? Hmm. All right, so we've now transitioned into the show. And I'm talking about a maximalist viewpoint in which not all of the money is Bitcoin, but like Bitcoin becomes a significant force in world commerce, um, which you can therefore assume that a lot of international big transfers, which are the source of the most valuable corruption, uh, will now be conducted in Bitcoin. Okay,
1: not in XRP.
0: Well, I think that's that's an interesting question. Like, is that would that be an argument for an XRP or against an XRP or whatever? Like, but but your question is much more philosophical and is not about. I have two. I
1: I think I have two answers. The first is more like uh, annoying and pragmatic, and I would say that the biggest problem with the idea of having a hyper Bitcoinization is that there's so much concentration in wealth uh, that exists already that uh, the world that would come out would be uh, inherently corrupt, right? Like, there would be no way to avoid the massive concentrations of power in that system that already exist, and that those people are generally not the people that I want to run the world. And so you can call it corrupt or you can call them, you know, bad or whatever, but those are not the type of people who should run the world. But from a theoretical standpoint, right, the idea that you have this trustless form of money that, you know, theoretically is untraceable or harder to trace, that is more anonymous, that is deflationary in in its general terms, and that is, uh, like, I, I don't know if there would be less corruption, honestly, because I, I do think that, like, uh, what happens is, like, you know, you have these, like, emergencies, et cetera, you know, and you need some flood of money to come in to help people, and in a bitcoin situation like you can't print that money and you need to ask the people who have all the bitcoin to give you the money and they're not going to give you the money you know and so then what do you have you just have mass starvation you have mass die-offs and like maybe that is not the same type of petty corruption that we're talking about but i also think that it is well
0: it's a corruption of those higher ideals that we yeah
1: yeah 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 so i don't No, I don't think that that would lead to a world of less corruption. Um,
0: I have two, I have two competing thoughts about it. My first thought is that it would increase corruption, right? Like what's stopping corruption now? Basically the rule of law and, uh, some amount of good faith, right? Yeah, like it's illegal to take bribes for many things.
1: Uh, also like regulation and yeah, and like enforcement, but to a small extent. For
0: the most part, we accept that we're not going to investigate the USC crew coach for corruption every year. We're not going to like audit his <laughs> bank yeah. accounts. We accept that most people are not acting in a corrupt manner, and really only ask that like bankers, though not very much, um maybe um, financial services companies are the only people where there's like uh, an assumption that everyone will be investigated for corruption and that corruption will be monitored within the system. So when we actually do look into corruption, generally we follow the money, right? And with Bitcoin, at least if anonymity ever comes to it, it will be much harder to follow the money, I think. Both for uh the irs for the fbi whoever and i think that's going to make it a lot harder to prevent corruption in many of the ways that we currently prevent corruption so that would suggest that a bitcoin future uh will be more corrupt however we know that uh bankers and financial service companies are really not prevented from doing very much they're really barely audited and when people lie, they often just pay a fine and don't go to jail, and it's all business as usual. So in some ways, we live in a very corrupt system already that has the veneer of a lack of corruption, and we we assume, oh, well, if someone did that, the bank would stop them or the government would stop them. I do wonder that if we shift the game theory and say, well, money's untraceable and anonymous and not government-controlled, whether... All of our sort of good faith assumptions about corruption go out the window, and people become probably more paranoid, but also basically just act as if corruption could and will happen in everything, and therefore organize their personal life, their voting and government, and their banking accordingly. Do you think that's that's, sort of the trustless?
1: Do you think that's particularly different than the relationship that the most of the world has towards their government? Like, what an assumption of a baseline of corruption. I
0: I think that's right. I mean, I I think that one of the reasons that Bitcoin goes down easy in Venezuela, or for that matter, China or Korea, is that people already have a fairly cynical take on these things, and Bitcoin actually seems like a a hedge to them, or a tool to fight against these problems. So... In Korea, the
1: new narrative that is coming out about why Koreans went so crazy for Bitcoin, and I yeah. think there was like a AP story about this, and uh, it tried to do a postmortem about it. And uh, the argument was one that I found to be sl- somewhat convincing, but not entirely convincing. And it said that what is going on is that because Korea has so has had so much corruption, because it's such a class bound society where like. Uh, um, rich people stay rich, poor people stay poor, and it extends all the way to like these ridiculous examples in the '80s, where like you know, like like even the best soccer players couldn't play on the national soccer team because there was some fucking rich kid's kid who got preference over it. But this is essentially the the uh, sort of national character of of Koreans is is essentially just like all of our problems are immutable and intractable, yeah, and nothing can change. The Bitcoin gave them the belief that if they could buy into something that was completely outside of the Korean government, completely outside the chaebol system, completely outside of the one, yep. you know, like the currency in Korea, that they could somehow compile wealth and empower themselves through cryptocurrencies. Now, we know, you and I know that a lot of the activity in Korea was because of Chinese money laundering and because of other types of like money laundering operations. Yeah. But that doesn't change the fact that like teens definitely were Oh. like, mass trading Ethereum there. People were going that, buck wild. Yeah, yeah, and that people really were crypto crazy there. Yeah. Um, and I think that, that, like, that idea is actually somewhat interesting to me because, like, uh, the lesson of it was that crypto was also corrupted, right, by pl- price manipulation and all this type of stuff. Uh, but if it hadn't been, right, and, like, it's a big hadn't been because you can always argue it is inevitable that it was. But if it hadn't been, then it is an interesting argument about empowerment against corruption. You know, it is. It is and like these, pe- these people, like, I don't think they're all idiots. You know, I don't like, think they're idiots at all. I, I think that they saw an opportunity to try and break out of a system that is essentially their parents suffered under, their grandparents suffered under, that they see no hope out of. And they they took a shot at it. Like and the fact that they found this shot appealing, I think is a I think that that is a uh, credit to crypto.
0: What do you call that um, word in Korean? I feel like it's appeared in your either your writing or oh, maybe Han. Wesley yeah, Young's yeah, yeah, no, writing. Yeah. yeah, which is like kind of silent suffering. Is that right?
1: It's like basically suffering because the world is like perpetually unfair. Or sure. like the realization that like you are suffering because there are things that are happening in the world that you can't control that are unfair.
0: Yeah, it's funny how like crypto is basically just like fiat banking Han.
1: Yeah, exactly. No, or like world, you know, like World Bank stuff. Yeah, yeah. like it's like uh
0: But 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 I want to say I don't think those two ideas, the the Chinese money laundering and that are incompatible. Yeah. In fact, I can see them like like building on each other, which is the infrastructure all gets built out by money launderers, and then kids see that infrastructure and they're like, Wow, not only is this an opportunity for me personally, but if this takes off if we become the Bitcoin generation or the Ethereum generation, um, we will kick out the balls.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. will
0: change the country, and not only will I be fucking rich because I bought low, but also I'll live in a country in which I can use those riches to create like some sort of a new business and social structure outside of this corrupt uh grandfather system yeah and
1: remember like when you and i got into crypto like one of the language one of the ideas of like sort of egalitarianism or freedom was that like anyone can buy bitcoin you know and uh anyone can sort of control their own wealth and anyone can profit when bitcoin goes up anyone can become a bitcoin evangelist and get their friends to sign up you know and, and spread the hype of it like it is not limited to like having gone to harvard you know, like which yep. is a lot of the access to wealth in this country in the United States is limited to that. And so I don't know. You know, I, I don't think this is just Bitcoin related, though, because like I, I was thinking about this the other day because I've been watching like a lot of video game streamers. Yeah. You know, and like some of them make a lot of money. Like so like Shroud, for example, who's one of the top Twitch streamers, has like a hundred thousand subscribers who all pay five dollars a month. So it's yep. five hundred fucking thousand dollars a month. You yeah. Know? And obviously, Twitch takes some percentage of that or whatever, but like, there's no overhead. He literally just sits in his apartment in front of his, uh, or his house in front of his computer and plays video games all the time. There is a generation of people who I think, who see somebody like Shroud and they basically say, I don't have to participate in the workforce. Like, I don't have to participate in higher education. I don't have to participate in all these things that will lock me out because they're only the space of the elites. And they try and find different ways to do it. And I don't think that the number of those kids is going down. I think it's going way up, you know?
0: I agree. I mean, and maybe where we differ is that I don't really feel that dream is dead now, either in America or Korea. I mean, I see those... Oh, through crypto. Through crypto, yeah. yeah. I see those early people, you know... God bless them if they bought over 10,000, but I bought Bitcoin over 10,000. So I'm, yeah, mean, we, that. we both did. We both did. I mean, better off if they bought it. You know, <laughs> we both wh-
1: bought Bitcoin at like 16,000. But yeah. it better
0: off if they bought at 1,000. But they're doing what you're supposed to do uh, in crypto, which is hold the space for someone in the future, right? And right now they're experiencing losses and, uh, you know, they have to sit there with their Han and uh, bear it out. But uh, maybe it's not even their generation. Maybe it somehow creates a situation for their kids. Well, that's I, better.
1: I don't think that that dream is dead either, though, to be fair. I mean, and, you know, it's not like you and my, like our interest in crypto also lay in a similar thing. Despite us both, you know, having gone to very good colleges and, you know, you know working in New York City media at a somewhat high level. My interest in crypto and in gambling is just like I don't want to do this anymore. Like, yeah. I don't want to participate in like a, in like a, what is essentially like a space for elites anymore. Uh, I don't want to like you know have to go into like whatever gilded publication that I'm published the you know and kiss the ass of the editor in chief or something. I just don't want to do that stuff anymore. And so I was just like, well, if I make like five million dollars in crypto, I won't have to do it anymore. I'll just publish a blog on a paste bin and fucking tweet it out, you know. Like, that's, I don't know, there's, there's, I think that that type of impulse scaled down to who, you know, whatever yeah. you are, or scaled to whatever you are, is essentially what a lot of people are feeling these days, and certainly what a lot of people are feeling in Korea, because in Korea, the situation is much more dire. It's not like, you know, they have like the longest work days in the world, you know, they work like 16 to 18 hours a day, they have no chance for for advancement, they live with their parents because housing is so scarce, and you're just like... Who wants to fucking buy into that system? It's fucking awful. You know, like, you live with your parents till you're 30 and get married, yeah. and uh, you work all day long to help pay for, like, a, a Soviet-style, like, you know, like, apartment. Like, it sounds terrible.
0: Well, I mean, l- I would note that that standard of living and that way of living is how most of the world lives. We're the exception. No, no, that. I agree, I, I agree. I mean, so, I like, don't know if... That, I mean, Korea's probably uh, 16 to 18 hours this Pretty wild, but like I, I don't think that uh, a Chinese person would find that setup uh, unfamiliar. And the Bitcoin is an international phenomenon. For us, it's like kind of jokey. I don't have the exact same relationship with you do with media elitism. I'm more like just never really wanted a job, never really had <laughs> yeah, a yeah, job. Like to spend time in my basement. And I think I'm kind of emblematic of a lot of people who get involved in crypto, where you start being interested in it because you're the kind of person who likes to follow your own interests and then you're like oh could I like have a job in this or whatever could I make some money from this um that idea of autonomy it's what drew me to the or- the internet originally like the reason I oh, yeah, too, became interested sure. in uh, making like apps and like web products which is something I did for a little bit of my life is because I was like oh this is some new thing where I can like do it in my basement and I can be like on a new wave. That's what got me interested in podcasting too, and I think a lot of people who find Bitcoin, whether it deserves to be described that way or not, it certainly makes people feel that way at least at the outset. So that's what got me into Bitcoin.
1: Yeah. Look, uh, I mean, look, uh, we have minor frustrations compared to the other people in the world in dealing with money, right? Yes. So we have things like, oh, uh, I don't like Bank of America. Yep. Or we have things like. I don't like the credit card system.
0: Um, or I don't like my job, so I'm going to be like a freelance Yeah, Yeah, person. but we also have
1: greater questions, right? Like, I don't agree with the way that student loans are done in this country. Like, I think they're horrible. Yeah, You know, like, I don't agree with the way that, that the income inequality in this country and the way that, like, uh, like, the corporate tax structure works. Like, I don't agree with the fact that antitrust laws are just like completely ignored all those things are real like they're much bigger critiques and having some reason to opt out of that system is like it's still appealing you know and and i'm not just talking about myself you know like i'm I'm talking about pretty much everybody i think has some level of frustration like that that is actually a macro level concern that isn't just like oh well the lines of bank of america are always long and the Tellers are rude, you know? Yeah. And all those people, I think, found Bitcoin interesting for those reasons, even here in the United States, which is why, like, you know, tens of millions of people downloaded the Coinbase app in some way. Like, maybe it was only 10%. And the other 90% was just like, hey, maybe I can double my money on this. It'll be fun. But, like, at least 10% was that, don't you think?
0: I don't think it even really matters, like, why you originally thought you were doing it. People, like, we've already learned this from, like, how people vote in this country that, like, people are driven by, like, weird, like, emotions and uh, appearances. And um, I just think that when people started first going on the Internet, they didn't know why they were going on the Internet. Maybe they were, like, going on because they were like, I heard that uh, Batman has a website. Yeah. I, heard, I heard there's this the poopy list. Batman.com. It tells me all these different kinds of poops.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's right? a there's apparently a list of 200. Your mama's so fat. Jokes. Exactly. <laughs>
0: whatever. Like, whatever. Like, Jeff Bezos decided to start like selling books online. Whether that was part of a master plan to like own American retail, so, yeah. or he just like was like, the internet's cool. I wonder if you could sell books on here. Yeah. Like. One thing leads to another. So I think even if a generation got into Bitcoin because of greed, they're still just as radicalized as someone who got into it because they're like, went to a Ron Paul rally.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I mean, I don't know if as radicalized. They they have the
0: potential. uh, Projecting them both forward a decade, they both could end up anywhere.
1: They can both end up in the same place and probably will. I mean... I still find for your greater question of whether or not the corruption is going to go down, I do think that there is a vision of cryptocurrency where that is true and where it would lead to greater empowerment for many other people. And the types of things that Roger Ver cries about, like, you know, like about like Madeleine Albright, like bombing kids in uh, Afghanistan and Iraq, which, you know, is a very valid concern, you know, uh, and doing it for, Financial purposes and that that's bad and that like we can't have a world where some people are killing other people to like Keep wealth concentrations and that maybe we should have an anarchic System outside of it where people can opt out That's never gonna not be an appealing idea like it will always be an appealing idea for a large 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 portion of people in the world I just don't like you know the question that everybody has is whether or not bitcoin is too corrupted at this point to still be that system and that that's something we don't know
0: i i i mean whether you view that as too corrupted i think bitcoin is just getting bigger and bigger and it's therefore more and more like uh like as bitcoin comes to challenge the financial system it will resemble the financial system more and more
1: here's a totally random but like in, implausible but interesting I think thought question for you which is that let's say that the top hundred Bitcoin wealth people which are people like the Winklevi or, or like Jihan Wu right let's say that they just all collectively decided that for the good of Bitcoin you know that they were going to give up 95% of their Bitcoin wealth and that it was going to go back into the Bitcoin pool and other like you know individuals could just buy that pool and that it would break up some of their concentration of wealth. Do you think that that would be ultimately extremely good for Bitcoin?
0: Well, I don't quite understand the question. How does it go back in the pool? Like, it, they, they get remined?
1: No, 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 no. They just sell it.
0: Oh, if all of the whales all sold at once... The price of Bitcoin would go back to like 10 cents. No,
1: but that's what I mean. Do you think that that's ultimately better for Bitcoin?
0: Well, if you just want to start with a fresh pool of Bitcoin, like start with like Litecoin 2 or something. No, but but
1: Bitcoin has two advantages. The first is that it still works.
0: Yeah, so does Litecoin.
1: And they have the brand. The brand it's is, Bitcoin. Would, right?
0: would it still have the brand if all if ninety five percent of the coins got like thrown back into the? Well, led? if they
1: said they're doing it for altruistic reasons, right? Then yeah, uh, and that they wanted to save Bitcoin. I think that they would destroy their
0: coins if they wanted to do that, because that would mean that, like, if all of them destroyed their coins, and let's say they destroyed half of the supply of Bitcoin, I
1: don't understand what the difference is. Though. Well,
0: the, the difference is that would reward. Everyone else who currently has Bitcoin, because there would be half as many. So let's say they it should double in price the next day. Whereas if you resell them and put them on the open market, that devalues everyone else who currently holds Bitcoin because there's a massive, massive amount of uh, sell side action on the market and you can buy Bitcoin for almost nothing. So one of them destroys Bitcoin. One of them doubles the value of Bitcoin, as I would see.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't. But
0: I'll, I'll just take your general premise that if they got out of the game to make it to level the playing field, I think that they would argue, and I think I actually am sympathetic to this argument, that if every whale just holds their stash and takes it to the grave with them, or like endows it to their kids or whatever, it's doing basically the same thing, which it's creating a scarcity within the available traded coins. Which stabilizes and
1: yeah, but nobody assumes uh, they're gonna do that
0: though. What's that? <laughs> but no
1: one assumes that's they're what gonna all do the
0: that. like evangelist OG dudes yeah, they're like, are like, never hun- sell. Those
1: are not the hundred
0: yeah. biggest orders, like, the, yeah, okay, the, Jihan the, Wu will yeah, sell, yeah.
1: yeah, and like the Winklevi will sell at the point where like they can be richer than Mark Zuckerberg, you know.
0: Yeah, um, I think it would be better if, if I could convince them all to join a cult in which they pledged to, like, die with their coins. I think that would probably be ultimately positive for Bitcoin and, like, distribution parity.
1: So what you should do is, like, in your model, what someone should do is they should figure out a way to destroy all those coins through hack.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these ideas have have existed before. Uh, Egyptian royalty went to the grave with their gold. Yeah. Like, the idea of, like, taking your wealth to the next life and or just, like, taking it off the board has existed in, in, like, world cultures before. Yeah. As has the idea of, like, people accidentally losing, you know, whole ships full of gold, etc. I think Bitcoin is set up with the elasticity of the supply, so it doesn't matter that much. But I do take your point, which is, all of that assumes that like we're all playing like a board game together and what we're actually playing is like one of the Winklevi probably wants to be president someday and there's going to be a lot of like whale transactions between here and there oh god yeah
1: <laughs> well i'm not buying into that future
0: did you um did you see um uh, nathaniel popper's um times piece with our former guest uh jameson Lop? i did i thought it was quite good yeah so Jameson Lopp is actually the second person I know who's tried to disappear completely and sure, obscure his identity. Did, yeah. yeah, my co-host on long form, Evan Ratliff, did this. And I there's a couple things about it. One, I think it's pretty cool also. There's something about disappearing completely. That really people like really excites people as a narrative. Yeah, like, I think it's people are obsessed with that thing Evan did. And that was like 10 years ago.
1: I think it's partially because we feel so compromised at all times and we've yeah. basically given up on any idea of privacy. So like people will buy the Facebook portal and they'll be like, they're spying on you and nobody's responsible. like, no, they're not spying on me. It'll like, at this point just be like, yeah, but you know, they're spying me at all times, so who cares? You know, yes. it's just like 10% more spying and i like to have a full body like i don't understand what the facebook portal is i loved
0: zuckerberg for. was getting interviewed and he was like look we don't want some kind of a future where everyone's got like a spying device in their living room and the guy <laughs> was like you make that and you he was just like, made oh. it you just
1: made it <laughs> ah. like what is the point of the facebook portal by the way is it like for uh, is it for like full body nude swapping or something like that no it's like, really it's like it's like so that
0: you can like your gr- like the grandparents can like drop in on the grandkids like willy nilly,
1: I don't believe that that's that.
0: I tell you, I will never let my mom have access to. It. She's definitely not allowed to virtually drop in at my house.
1: Wait, so they can do it unannounced?
0: I think so. If you like, if you like green, if you like green oh, list, white yeah, list them. Right. Uh, all right. So to catch people up, Jameson Lopp, who's been on the show, got swatted, has dealt with like lots of online, like being a famous Bitcoin person kinds of problems, and decided. I think both because he wanted to and sort of as like a exercise or a, a test, whether he could disappear completely. He bought a house all cash with an LLC in a different state. He bought a second residence that he doesn't live at, so he could register the car to the LLC yeah. there.
1: He also had to register the LLC in a state that didn't require him to have a name associated with it. Yeah. He has a burner phone, and he subscribes to a service that swaps out his phone number every few days. Um, he doesn't use credit cards, obviously, so he pays with everything through prepaid debit cards.
0: I think yeah, had, like, green dot cards or something. I don't know. I didn't, <laughs> yeah. There was some of the details were, like, missing to, like, protect him, I guess. Apparently, yeah. he's changed his facial hair also.
1: Yeah, yeah, he, uh, he shaved off a lot of his beard, and he swapped in his Lotus and his Lexus for, like a pragmatic car and he, the funniest detail of that story is that he got rid of his north carolina vanity pa- plates that said bitcoin on them <laughs> yeah
0: the funny thing is i feel like the most likely way he'll like accidentally dox himself is just by like talking too much about bitcoin with someone
1: yeah yeah they'll be like hmm like no the, thing- the early days of a bitcoin
0: yeah it's funny because the the best opsec is to not let people know that you're into bitcoin but if there's one thing that's universally true of the people who got a bunch of Bitcoin early and are rich. Is that they love to talk about Bitcoin. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. The uh, <laughs> yeah, he'll be like, "Hello, nice neighbor at my." Local watering hole. Yeah. Have you, what do you know about cryptocurrency? Like one of these people who like <laughs>
0: changes their identity is going to get caught by like going back to a Bitcoin meetup that they previously went under their previous <laughs> identity. Like that guy from Quadriga. Yeah. He's going to be at the like Vancouver Bitcoin meetup and they're going to be like, didn't you die in yeah, India? I thought you were
1: dead.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um- um, well, good on, I, I have to say good on Jamison Loft for putting his money where his mouth is with some of this stuff. I also kind of think that people like Jamison Loff are pro- probably like the cockroaches of the world at this point. Oh, they'll where, survive anything. Yeah, like, like, it's not that I, like, I don't really care for, like, prepperism, where you, like, go live in the woods and shoot off guns and are waiting for a race war, but I feel like individual, like, training to like disappear into the like folds of the like dmv in the state it's kind of an interesting exercise
1: yeah i mean i it's nothing i'd want to do because it seems like it probably takes up way too much of his day yeah but he said he did it in part to just see if he could do it you know yeah and then i think that's a noble exercise and especially somebody who had so much online presence um and for you know like a lot of people knew a lot about him uh I think that the it's fact that he did it is kind of inspirational honestly like if you or i ever need to like just disappear we could just do it
0: i think that also uh, for me uh the fact that there's so much know your customer stuff coming up it's like if we're going to require in this country if you want to use bitcoin you have to like register yourself through know your customer patches. That then connects your Bitcoin to a million tentacles from your Facebook profile to your DMV registration to just about everything else about your identity. So you have two choices, which are either, A, get Bitcoin outside of the know your customer thing, which is generally kind of shady local Bitcoins, or have no know your customer identity to sync up with. Simply have no information about yourself online. And he's not the only person I know, like, I know a reporter who lives in Kenya um, who the only photo of him online was when he was on long form podcast and he asked me to take it down and I did. And he's just like, I just prefer there to be no pictures of me online. If I get kidnapped or whatever, there's no way to tie me back to this identity that I had as an America. And so... It's not like these kind of things just apply to, like, people who think the government is going to kick down the door and take your Bitcoin.
1: I have, yeah, I have no way to do any of that. To disappear completely? There's no way I could, like, erase myself from the internet.
0: Yeah, and additionally, we have, like, kids. So what, yeah. are we going to, like, give get, like, fake identities for our kids? Yeah, well,
1: like, I think, Yeah. You'd have to make some hard choices. <laughs>
0: um, all right. Good, uh, good talking about everything with Bitcoin with you. There go. Go
1: This episode of Coin Talk was taped Tuesday, March 12th at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Bitcoin price index was
0: $3,846. Hey, thanks for listening to Coin Talk. I'm Aaron Lammer. My co-host is Jay Kang. Our editor is James Nicholson. Our partner in all of this is Medium. You can find all of our episodes at medium.com slash talk, including transcriptions. We really appreciate them for their support. We'll be back next week.